Hello, this is Nigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 22nd of December. India's coronavirus tally crossed the 1 crore 75,000 mark today with an addition of under 20,000 fresh cases in the last 24 hours. This is the lowest daily count in the last six months. India yesterday suspended flight services from the United Kingdom from December 22nd to December 31st. For passengers in flights that had taken off and would arrive in the country before 11.59pm on the 22nd of December, RT-PCR testing on arrival was made mandatory. The move came after a new strain of coronavirus was discovered in the UK just a few days ago. Five passengers of a flight that landed in Delhi from London last night tested positive for the virus. Besides this, a passenger who landed in Chennai and two other passengers who landed in Kolkata from the United Kingdom also tested positive for the virus. The Delhi government announced that it will test all passengers of flights that are scheduled to arrive from the United Kingdom today. The government will also get in touch with those who arrived from the country in the last two weeks. The Tamil Nadu government is also identifying people who travelled to the UK in the last 10 days. They will be tested to ensure that they have not contracted the virus. The Maharashtra government, meanwhile, announced a night curfew in the state starting from today. The curfew will last from 11pm to 6am and will be in effect till January 5th. The curfew was imposed to put restrictions on gatherings during Christmas and New Year celebrations. Chief Minister Uddhav Thakre's government also decided to send passengers arriving from European and Middle Eastern nations on a 14-day institutional quarantine. 34 people, including cricketer Suresh Raina and singer Guru Randhava, were charged and arrested in Mumbai today for violating COVID-19 norms. This took place after a raid at the Dragonfly Club near the Mumbai airport. They were released on bail later. The farmer protests at the borders of Delhi entered the 27th day today. Farmer union leaders were scheduled to meet today to discuss the centre's latest offer for a dialogue at a date of their choosing. Bharatiya Kisan Union spokesperson Rakesh Tiket said, however, that his association had not received any invitation to meet from the Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar yet. Dr. Darshan Pal, the president of the Krantikari Kisan Union, commented on the centre's new invitation as well. He said that the government was not sincere in its efforts and reiterated that the farmers will not accept amendments in the farm laws but want a complete repealing of the laws. Commission agents of Punjab Mandis, locally known as Artiyas, will keep their shops shut for four days starting from today. Their move comes in protest of the income tax raids allegedly conducted on their premises. This, according to them, is the government's way of intimidating them for supporting the farmers' agitation. The Federation of Artiyas has said that income tax raids have been conducted on the premises of six commission agents in the last couple of days. Farmers from one more state are all set to join the farmers' agitation at the Delhi borders. Thousands of farmers from Maharashtra left yesterday from Nasik to join the ongoing protest against the farm laws. The farmers who started off in private vehicles were led by leaders of the Kisan Sabha. A leader from the Sabha said that the farmers from 21 districts in Maharashtra were on their way to Delhi. Besides the centre's contentious farm laws, they have also another concern in common with the farmers of Punjab and Haryana. Maharashtra farmers too have been demanding the waiver of inflated power bills and the full implementation of recommendations of the MS Swaminathan Commission. Between 2004 and 2006, the MS Swaminathan Commission on Farmers, constituted by the government and chaired by MS Swaminathan, had brought out five reports. 
The reports recommended steps for overall growth of the farming sector, more price assurance, security for small farmers and provisions for basic farming resources to the farmers of the country. Meanwhile, protesting farmers today blocked Delhi's Ghazipur border from both sides. Earlier, the border was closed for traffic entering Delhi from Ghaziabad, but today it closed off for outgoing traffic as well. Vehicular movement at the Delhi Meerut Highway was completely stopped from 7.30am today. The counting of votes in the District Development Council or DDC elections is underway in the Union Territory of Jammu and Kashmir. Leads earlier today showed that the Gupkar Alliance was nearing victory, while the Jammu and Kashmir Apni party backed by the central government did not make much of a mark. The People's Alliance for Gupkar Declaration or Gupkar Alliance was formed this year by seven political parties in the valley. These include the National Conference and the People's Democratic Party, among others. The alliance was formulated by the parties to jointly contest the DDC elections, the first electoral exercise in Jammu and Kashmir after the abrogation of its special status. Of the 113 leads that have come out of the vote count so far, the Gupkar alliance was ahead on 67 seats, followed by independent candidates leading in 28 seats. Meanwhile, the People's Democratic Party or PDP claimed that three of its senior leaders were detained yesterday, a day before the vote count. PDP chief and former chief minister of Jammu and Kashmir, Mehbooba Mufti, described this move as out-and-out Gundaraj. She said that this action showed that the Bharatiya Janata Party was trying to manipulate election results. The reportedly detained PDP leaders were former minister and senior leader Naeem Akhtar, Mufti's uncle Sartaj Madni and her former political advisor Pirzada Mansoor Hussain. In another update from the Valley, newspaper Greater Kashmir reported that journalists reporting on the DDC elections in North Kashmir's Bandipura today staged a sit-in protest against the local administration for failing to provide adequate facilities to cover the election results. President of the Bandipura Journalist Association, Muhammad Sayyid Beg said, and I quote, There are no proper arrangements for the media and we are being made to move from pillar to post since early morning. Unquote. Dear listeners, have you noticed how some TV news channels that project themselves as nationalists have given relatively little primetime coverage to the extremely important round of by-elections that have just been completed in Jammu and Kashmir? There was some coverage when the eight-phase election process began in November, but it tapered off thereafter. Although they were by-elections and only for local bodies, they were pretty comprehensive because the majority of seats in panchayats and municipalities across the mountain area were vacant. And also, of course, the biggest reasons why these bipoles are so important is that this is the first time elections are being held after Jammu and Kashmir was reduced to a truncated union territory and lost its special constitutional status on August 5th in 2019. The entire political class of the state was silenced that day. A very large number of politicians, including three former chief ministers, were locked up for several months thereafter. These elections are the first opportunity they've had to test their popularity and that of their opposition to the changes. This was an excerpt from David Devdas's recent opinion piece on Newslaundry.com, where he argues why the DDC elections in Jammu and Kashmir deserved more media coverage. He also describes the current political climate and the developments in the valley. The piece is titled, Jammu and Kashmir by Elections, Why the Poll Campaigns Deserved Much More TV Coverage. Three journalists in Tripura were attacked on Sunday while covering a clash between the BJP and the Communist Party of India Marxist workers. According to an Indian Express report, the incident took place in Khairpur, about 10 kilometers away from the state capital of Agartala. The journalists were identified as Pran Gopal Acharya, Pintu Paul and Biswajit Debnath. 
According to a report in the Tribune, the police said, and I quote, about four to five persons were wounded and three scribes were attacked, but they were not injured. Police is investigating the case, unquote. BJP spokesperson Nabendu Bhattacharji claimed that the incident occurred in front of the police and urged the police to arrest the real culprits involved in the incident. Three complaints have been filed, including one by a journalist organization, but there have been no arrests yet. According to a statement released by a media rights body, the Assembly of Journalists, the journalists had been threatened with dire consequences and a group of seven to eight miscreants tried to snatch their cameras. As ironic as it may seem, this assault on media persons comes just a day after the Tripura government announced health insurance cover for the state's journalists. The government had announced that the media personnel in the state would be provided with health insurance cover of up to 5 lakh rupees a year. Chief Minister Biplab Kumar Deb made the announcement during a conference in Agartala. News site Northeast Now reported that Deb's announcement also came a day after he apologised to the media fraternity for a remark he made in September this year. On September 11th, Deb had said that he would not forgive the media and that a section of the media was trying to mislead people with fake news on COVID-19. If you think such incidents of attacks on journalists covering issues of public interest are a new phenomenon in India, well, allow me to break it to you. India's current ranking on the World Press Freedom Index is 142 out of 180 countries. According to the recently published Global Impunity Index by CPJ, 36 journalists have been killed in our country since 1992 and only two cases have actually seen convictions. The double standards of the government when it comes to issues of press freedom are clearer than ever before. News Laundry has been consistently covering incidents of trespasses against the press freedom of journalists. I urge you to head to the media section of our website after listening to this podcast. There you will find reports of how journalists have been arrested and even assaulted in the recent years for doing their job. You can also see our extensive coverage of news organizations sacking journalists during the course of the pandemic and even before it hit us. In fact, we even faced a lawsuit from the Sakal Media Group run by a powerful politically connected family. This was because we reported on how they sacked their employees in the middle of the pandemic despite government directives that said otherwise. We recently saw another legal notice from the Times Group because, well, some self-declared towering news personalities took offence to what we said about them in our weekly satire show. To know our response, please do watch the latest episode of TV Nuisance with Abhinandan. You'll find it on our YouTube channel or on our website newslaundry.com. We are faced with all this because we are doing our job as a media critique news platform. However, come what may, we shall remain undaunted because our saving grace and our biggest strength is the fact that we run on your support, not advertisers or sponsors. And this is why we can get you stories that matter, with zero advertisements and without pushing any agendas. So go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. The Calcutta High Court yesterday ruled that there can be no interference in an interfaith marriage if a woman enters the alliance willingly and decides to change her religion. The High Court bench observed this while hearing a plea filed by the father of a 19-year-old Hindu woman who had converted to Islam after marrying a Muslim man. The woman had given a statement to the police earlier this month that she had married the Muslim man, Asma'ul Sheikh, with her consent. Her father, in his plea, however, had alleged that she had given the police statement against her wishes. The High Court, in response to the father's pleas, had ordered that the woman be brought before the most senior additional district judge in the presence of her father. 
This was done so that the father could be assured that there was no pressure on the woman when she made her statement. The district judge in his report confirmed that there had been no pressure and that her marriage was consensual. Meanwhile, more arrests were made under Uttar Pradesh's new anti-conversion law. In Shah Jahanpur yesterday, a Muslim youth was arrested based on a 22-year-old Hindu woman's statement that she was taken to Delhi on the pretext of marriage. The woman had reportedly eloped with the Muslim youth Mohsin. The UP police had booked the 22-year-old Mohsin and his brother last week for abducting the woman and trying to convert her to Islam by marrying her. The complaint against Mohsin and his brother was filed by the girl's uncle. In another incident, three more people were arrested in Uttar Pradesh's Azamgarh under the new anti-conversion law for allegedly trying to convert a family to Christianity. The three men were allegedly holding a prayer at the house of one Tribhuvan Yadav on Sunday when they were arrested. A resident of the locality alleged that the three men were trying to convert the Yadav family to Christianity. After a heated argument, the police team reached Yadav's house and arrested the three men. Not only does the new law deal with interfaith marriages, but another provision under it is that a person needs to take permission before religious conversion. After that, the person will have to submit a declaration within two months of the conversion and appear before the district magistrate within 21 days to establish their identity so as to confirm the conversion. The DM then shall exhibit the copy of the declaration on the notice board of the office till the date of confirmation. If any objections are notified, the DM is supposed to simply record them. One more person was arrested in Kannauj for allegedly trying to trap a woman without disclosing his religion. The police said that he was caught by a mob and handed over to the police. He was later booked under the new anti-conversion law. So far, nearly 20 people have been arrested and several others booked under the UP's contentious Love Jihad or anti-conversion law. The law which was brought in through an ordinance makes religious conversion a crime if done through force or deceit. A Bangladeshi woman was killed yesterday after border security force personnel opened fire to prevent an illegal immigration attempt along the India-Bangladesh border. According to a statement issued by the BSF today, the incident took place along the border in West Bengal's Nadia district. The statement said that the BSF personnel noticed that three to four people were trying to infiltrate into India from Bangladesh near Pankhuria border outpost yesterday. The statement added, and I quote, Some miscreants engaged the BSF troops from the western side of the village and 8 to 10 people came close to the border fence and started exfiltration to Bangladesh. The BSF personnel challenged them and the miscreants on both sides of the border attacked the Jawans with sharp weapons and pelted them with stones. Unquote. The BSF troops then fired two rounds at the people and they fled the spot. It was later noticed that a woman had been hit by a bullet. The injured woman, identified as a Bangladeshi, was immediately shifted to a nearby hospital. She was later taken to another hospital where the doctors declared her dead. According to the statement, one BSF Jawan also sustained injuries on his forehead during the stone pelting. And now for some international updates. COVID-19 has infected more than 77.5 million people around the world, out of which at least 1.7 million have died. Joe Biden received his first dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine on live American television on Monday afternoon, keeping with the government's efforts to show Americans that vaccines are safe. The US is experiencing the worst phase of the pandemic even as the inoculation process has begun. COVID-19 has killed more than 317,000 people in the United States and infected over 18 million. Based on initial data, the new strain of the virus found in the United Kingdom is at least 70% more easily transmitted. 
It has sparked concerns worldwide amid surging infection rates in the United Kingdom and fears that the first lot of the vaccines may not be as effective against the mutation. Also on Monday, the head of European Union's medicine regulator said that the Pfizer vaccine could protect against the new virus. The vaccine, which has already been rolled out in the United Kingdom, has been cleared by the United States as well. It is one of the three being considered for emergency use in India. And before I wrap up, dear listeners, our website has a spanking new podcast player that you can use to access all our podcast shows. News Laundry Hafta, Awful and Awesome, News Laundry Charcha and Daily Dose. It includes a host of features like download, speed control, cue, the ability to skip a topic within an episode and even start from where you had stopped the previous time. So go to our website on your phone or on your laptop and click on the mic icon at the top right corner of the homepage. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh, 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 oh,